0: Welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast with Jess Connolly and Kenesha Bikes. Today, we're talking to one of our friends, a woman who runs on mission. We are praying this conversation leaves you fired up and ready to go right where you're at. We're super thankful for you. Let's go.
1: We are here today with Danielle Koch, and I am so excited to sit down with her and have a conversation about mission and about the amazing things that she does online and in her everyday life. Danielle, thank you for being with us.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking
1: forward to this talk. We are, as well, what we usually start out with, which is an introduction, because some people may not know you, which would be surprising, honestly, I feel like these days. But can you tell us a little bit about what you do online, who you are, and what you're all about?
2: Of course. So my name is Danielle. You can call me Danny if you want. I am from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm an illustrator and activist. And I aim to use art and words to make complex ideas more digestible and easier to understand for the everyday person. And so a lot of my art currently focuses on anti-racism, empathy, inclusion, things like that. But the overall goal is to help people who otherwise wouldn't engage with those topics have a way to start doing that. And so I view my work as a starting point. And also I work really hard to reflect equity, inclusion, diversity, and all the things that really matter to me, both online and offline.
1: Wow. That was incredible. Honestly, if that's <laughs> what we're looking at, if that's what we have moving forward in this conversation, I'm actually even more excited now. The way that you just even described what, what you did, just even you, you saying, I am like, this is who I am to me. That literally is that's mission. And of course, that's what we're about here at Go and Tell. You know, I kind of consider myself not really an optimist, but maybe compared to some people, an optimist. And obviously, you know, even with you describing the work that you do, you're talking about topics that are difficult, especially, you know, when we look at the church and we look at faith, a lot of these topics become honestly even harder to discuss Mm -hmm. sometimes. I think I want to kind of hang out in this space for a minute with the idea of presenting hard topics, talking about hard things, but making them more palatable, which is probably not the greatest word. I think you said digestible. Mm -hmm. So. How do you hold that tension of being, quote unquote, happy, Danny, which is your moniker, right, online, Mm -hmm. but then leading these hard and heavy and holy, if you will, conversations like what is that tension for you?
2: Right. Absolutely. So I consider myself an optimist as well, and I'm pretty joyful in my everyday life. It's kind of shocking for a lot of people.
1: (laughs) Wow. No, you seem so so joyful, literally, oh, genuinely. Yeah. Thank
2: you. That does mean a lot to me. And for a while, because of my personality type, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram or if you like it, but I am a yes, seven. We are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, eight yeah. wing Seven right here. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm a seven wing eight, but anyway. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I have a very positive personality and for my everyday life, I would prefer if, super hard, heavy things weren't always happening, but that's just the reality of the world we live in. And we know that especially as believers with our time on this earth, it's just going to be full of, we're going to be dealing with trouble and hurt, heartache and trauma, like consistently. But one thing that I aim to do going from a positive mindset was that I also struggled with toxic positivity for a while. Mm. And I even in my personal life, would try to ignore all other emotion that I personally deemed negative, when in reality, like grief, lament, all of those things are holy. And it's something that I needed to lean more into. And so I pivoted from being always wanting to be positive to wanting to be hopeful Mm. and optimistic, of course, but hope became the word that I clinged to, because it embodies so much more than just joy. It also embodies that you are hoping and working towards the greater good, even if it doesn't always feel good. Wow! And so hope to me also is just consistently wishing and working towards the idea that what's to come has to be greater than what was before. Mm -hmm. And so with that as my compass, I'm able to lean into the hard and heavy topics because I don't just talk about Trauma for the sake of talking about it. Like, I don't jump on the internet and I'm like, oh, wow, another black person was murdered by police this week. Let me draw something about it. Like, that is not and never will be my angle. Mm -hmm. But with everything I create, I'm very intentional about one is this what I need to be saying right now?
1: Yeah.
2: It's one thing to rattle off all the facts. Most people have the facts. But what I feel called to do in moments like this is speak to the heart of the matter and say, this is what's going on around us, but here is what I believe we need to pull from it and yeah. take with us for the rest of our lives. And so that's where I live when it comes to the art that I create. I try to answer those internal questions that people have within themselves and what people are discussing in community about how we can move forward. And I try to use art to speak to that mission and that goal.
1: You talked about toxic positivity and how you struggled with toxic positivity. And I'm really curious about, because I think even in my space, I've grown a lot. I grew up church history. For me, I grew up in a really legalistic, traditional church. Mm -hmm. Still unlearning a lot of the things that I learned growing up in church, right? Toxic positivity, you know, spiritual bypassing, you know, all these things that we receive these days would fall into that category. And I deal with that on my own platform. So I want to kind of sit there a little bit. And I'm curious about how you deal with people now that you're walking out of that phase of life. Mm -hmm. How do you confront that when people approach you online, maybe in person with that same mindset?
2: So I define toxic positivity as creating no space for any other emotion that you might deem negative. Wow. And then I know a lot of people would also define it as like good vibes only and like no bad energy, <laughs> you know? There's many different ways, but for yeah. me, it manifested itself in me just not wanting to deal with any negative emotion period. That's part of my personality type that I that I wrestle with, but also mm-hmm. because I thought that I would achieve the most richest fullest life. If I was only, there was only sunshine. Right. Mm. But as we know, like that's exhausting. And a lot of us even thinking about the day are grateful when the sun sets and we get to get cozy into the mm. nighttime. And so I had to realize that it's part of the circle. Hunt and there's so much beauty that is there in that resting. And one thing that I, dealt with particularly on my platform was people saying that they didn't want to jump into this conversation because it's they it's negativity and they blanketed the whole conversation of anti-racism under negativity. And I had to remind folks that just because it stirs up an emotion of discomfort within you does not mean that this is a negative thing. Yes. This wrestling that is clearly happening within you. Yes. That's is a positive thing in my opinion as you deconstruct all of those harmful ideologies and as you move away from all the lies you've believed about your neighbor I think that there's a lot of beauty in that and when it comes to the other side of negative emotion or as some people view it of lamenting and grief and mourning with those who mourn When we decide not to do that, we are doing our neighbors a great disservice. agree. Because someone else is mourning whether you want to or not. And especially as believers, we have an obligation to be there for people to feel and to fight on their behalf. And Mm. then when we come together, obviously there's so much more beauty that can be found in that than if we were to just shut that off and not be there for that person who needs us. Right. And so there's just so many facets to that. And I just realized that letting go of the toxic positivity mindset and leaning more into empathy allowed me to be a better neighbor to my friends and allowed me to do a lot of the hard and holy work necessary in my own heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I stopped labeling self-improvement as negativity and started seeing it as an opportunity to awaken to the full beauty that God has intended
1: my life to be. Awaken to the full beauty. So thank you. my brain is literally going everywhere. But two things, I think, where is the space for the Holy Spirit to do the work in our lives and for us to become more like him if we shut down every single opportunity we have to become more like him? So in the context of this conversation, yes, 1000%. I could not agree with you more. The second thing is that a few months ago I talked about, I don't even remember, you know, I've lost count of like how many opportunities we've had to like continue talking about mm-hmm. this and having this conversation. But at some point last year, what I was seeing is that a lot of people were saying they can't talk about these things, you know, social justice, anti-racism, all these things because they are shamed. They feel like they're being shamed. And so I think it's really important to make the distinction between feeling shame and being shamed. So I think that kind of falls in line with that, with what you just said as well. It's like, there's a difference here. And if if we're not able to sit in that and really look at it for what it is and discern, again, there's that word, the difference, then where's the space again for the Holy Spirit to do His work? And again, bringing this back to you, I mean, it's not you, it is God, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the grace of God working through you. But man, are we so, so thankful for you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through you and to give you everything that you need to host these conversations in the way that you do. That's so beautiful and so masterful. I'm so thankful for that. So thanks for answering that question. I thought it was really, really key when you said toxic positivity. I was like, Oh, I think I want to talk about Mm -hmm. that. So thank you. Of
2: course. My pleasure.
1: There is a quote that I've read multiple times and I can't remember um, who the author of the quote is, but mm-hmm. it speaks to the idea that we as artists, I consider myself an artist as well. Mm-hmm. We do have the opportunity to speak to the times and really help people focus on the work that is to be done. Um, to see things in a way that they they are unable to see it. That is the artist's place. And so I would say that you do an excellent job at creating space for people. To lean into conversations that are not the most easy and, and to really right. grow in a way that is, again, digestible. Now, just in that idea of artistry, something that I've been tossing around is this idea of creativity or artistry as communion with our creator, God. And it's something that I'm also love seeing and hearing how people respond to the idea of that, especially, I think, um, believers, of course. But it's just something I've been chewing on for a while. And I feel like just even the Holy Spirit calling me to even kind of dive deeper into the idea of what it means to create. Mm -hmm. We know, we all know what Scripture says, you know, God created the heavens. and He is the greatest creator there was, in my humble opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But as an artist, with the idea of creativity, being communion, and your work and your passion for justice kind of seem obviously to intertwine, how do you see your art and what is inside of you, your passion for social justice? And honestly, I say your passion for social justice, but it's really not that. It's a passion that you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it it seems as though it's it's more than that. It's deeper Mm -hmm. than just that, right? It's a, it's a heart for reconciliation for true. Actually, a few weeks ago we had an interview, and I said it's actually not reconciliation; it's conciliation because we've technically never had unity, right? Yes, right. So I would love to hear how you see your art, the physical form of what you do, and what's inside of you, the passion that lies inside of you. Maybe first speak to, since it's not you know a passion for social justice, tell us is the first question what your passion is what are you actually doing when you are presenting you know the visuals and all the things that you are doing
2: right yes absolutely <laughs> so i would say that what got me to this point absolutely was not like something that began as a passion for social justice i grew up in a very strict church setting so in with my church experience, I was actually part of a denomination that was did not think rightly about God in many different ways, and it manifested itself in legalism and work based salvation and all those other kinds of things, right? And so, I felt like I was always trying to earn God's love and never really had it, and I could lose it in any moment. Mm-hmm. And so, when I got to college, I had an experience with God where I said, "Look, I feel as though there's much more to life than what I've been doing. This cycle of." feeling bad and trying to do better and then feeling bad again. And so, I don't know. I want to know you for who you are in mm. in your fullness. And so I flipped my Bible to Romans and I was like, I'm going to intentionally read this book through. And I want God to reveal himself to me through his word. And he did absolutely that in a way that I did not expect because flipping to Romans was actually quite interesting because that's where I heard about grace for the first mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. First I was like grace, mm-hmm. and so because of that, I fell so deeply in love with Jesus in a way that I never had before. Wow! And because of that, I naturally also realized how much I loved other people. Wow! And it was something that went together for me pretty inherently, and even as I continued to study and search Scripture, Luke ten twenty seven became like the verse of my whole life. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, oh, well, that explains it. That explains why I feel this way. And as I started going through life, getting a job, getting a career and looking around and having issues in my last job with race, with Mm -hmm. microaggressions, with all those types of things that came along with being a black woman in a predominantly white space, Mm -hmm. I looked around and I was like, I feel like we could be loving our neighbors so much better than this, especially when it comes to race and the way we interact with each other and what it means to create an inclusive space for all people to thrive. And so that just became my mission. It's what I based my, my first business off of so happy social, social media agency. And the goal of that was to help positive mission-based brands use social media for maximum impact. I wanted with the work they were doing on the ground to reflect on social media. And it was because the work that they were doing was just so wrapped up in the love of God. And I wanted to do my part to release that. And so when I stumbled into art as a hobby, digital art, at least, I had done other art forms. But when I stumbled into digital art, I just wanted to create art that reflected that love that I felt for other people. And I wanted empathy and compassion and justice to be at the forefront of everything I did. And so that's kind of how the art began I saw a need and I wanted to fill it using what I was passionate about art and creating and trying to speak truth in those heavy moments and I aim for everything that I say and do and create to be coded in that love and I want everybody to feel it Mm -hmm. believer and unbeliever
0: alike yeah and that's kind of how I got here Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation for a quick note. Since we're just relaunching the podcast, we'd love to hear from you about what you want to hear in this space. Go ahead and email podcast at goandtellgals.com with any dreams, any ideas you have about this podcast. Who do you want to hear from? What conversations would you like us to talk about? How can we further encourage and equip you? Tell us everything. All right, let's get back to our conversation. That's beautiful. I'm holding back tears.
1: I'm actually surprised I haven't cried yet, <laughs> but we're not Once you cry, so. I will cry so long. Okay. So I won't. Okay. Brenna will tell you, Brenna is our producer. She will tell you that it doesn't take much for me, but it's kind of <laughs> just how I feel things. I'm such an yeah, empath. Yeah. yeah. But just, it, it, you know, it sounds to me like you're saying you're passionate about providing a pathway for people to see and know God the fullness of God through the gifts that he's given you. And I think that that, that, that will preach in life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And I really believe when they said, let everything you do be done in love, mm. it should code absolutely everything we do. Mm. And it's the same kind of love that leads me to talk about the hard things too, because in first Corinthians, people love to camp out in the first part of chapter 13 about how love is patient and kind but they don't want to get to the part where it says it doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Mm. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. And so I aim to balance the kindness and the hope in the art and the, in the perseverance, the justice, the truth in the words that I speak. And so love honestly is why I do everything that I do.
1: This isn't plastic superficial, placating right. love, right? Right. <laughs> this is the true love. It's funny how, again, tears, like you saying that and just speaking scripture
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we all have heard and that we all know. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how, again, the word says of itself, it's active, alive and breathing. Yeah. so even hearing you say that it, again, it's just like this breath is breathed back into our souls and we're revived and we're reminded once again of the truth of the gospel and how real it is. So thank you for that moment. (laughs) Thank you for speaking that truth and for sharing that. I am super interested. You spoke a little bit about your corporate life or your past life or another chapter of your story. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested in knowing a little bit about how that shift came about? Like, would you say there was a turning point that you can remember that you can kind of pinpoint and say, this is when I knew it was time for me to shift my mission? Or
2: Right, yes. So when I went to college, after I had that moment with God and I, my whole <laughs> life was just split, I was studying hospitality at the time and I wanted to be an event planner mm-hmm. because it seemed like the most fun option out of everything, I don't know. So I got a job at an event planning agency doing mar- marketing and graphic design. And mm-hmm. I only saw that as my way into the door.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't really
2: think too much about design. And so I fell in love with design while I was there. And so I would hone my skills and really work hard at all of that, thinking that it was helping me get to what I thought was my mission of creating these beautiful events. And But I quickly realized that that just was not... <laughs> The will of God concerning my (laughs) life. (laughs) Event planning, I'm just not built out for it. Shout out to everyone who's got the personality type. And
1: I think I'm reading between the lines here because I too felt that it is. It's a lot of work. People are a lot of work sometimes too.
2: Oh, that too. Oh yeah, that too is a lot of work. Even the attention to detail that it takes, I'm just so proud. But anyway. (laughs) While I realized that I was falling more and more in love with the design aspect of things, at the same time, I was battling, like I said, that tension of the only Black woman in this white space and wanting to talk more about uh, inclusion and equity and wanting to create space where all people who are uplifted and supported and represented and then being met with, that's just not something we're passionate about right now. We're not going to give company resources or company time to doing anything that has to do with that. And in my mind, I'm like, you have an opportunity to love us better and you are choosing not to. I cannot thrive in this space. Yes. So I realized that my passion for justice and my passion for design were colliding in the most unexpected way, which led me to leave that job and start that agency and work with clients and organizations who adopted that same mindset of we want to do both. We want to love fully and do the work that it takes to make that happen. And I was very grateful that life took that spin to where I could use design to help me reach that greater mission that I felt that I found to love God and love people wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah. Would you say that that was difficult, you know, like making the decision to pivot, if you will? Was that difficult for you? Was that hard for you? No. (laughs) And that might not have been expected. No, tell me about that.
2: Right. So once I realized that I no longer fit that mold or could not fit that mold at that job as a dreamer and someone who is such a visionary at all times, I had so many ideas and so many goals. And I had a very supportive family who was like, girl, whatever you're trying to do, just go do it.
1: Yeah, That's so beautiful.
2: And in my mind, the possibilities were endless. I was already being connected to other agencies who needed the additional design support. So I had side money coming in. Got to be real. Got to pay them bills. And so <laughs> part of it was me prepping for months, setting money aside and getting ready to make that leap. So my preparation canceled out a lot of that fear, Yes. but <laughs> the idea of making that leap in and of itself still made me nervous, but I did it because I just trusted the will of God for my life. And I knew the direction I was heading in was he was all over it. His hands were all mm-hmm. over it. And so trusting that plus being prepared helped me to take that leap with confidence yeah. and to this day, that money that I saved up, it's still in my savings account. I haven't had to even touch it because God has been so sovereign and faithful and wow. good.
1: So- oh, I love that, I love that. Yeah. It's like when we know that the Holy Spirit is leading us into something, that we have that assurance, right? In our hearts, We it makes it a little bit easier, mm-hmm. if not a whole lot easier to kind of Absolutely. move forward in that direction. Honestly, I would probably say this about you, but I'm going to ask the question first. If you had to paint a picture of what it would look like to you or what someone who is running on mission looks like, like what does that look like? What does that picture look like to you? Like what is inspiring to you? What is encouraging to you? When you think about someone running on mission, what does that look like to you?
2: Well, one thing that I think holds a lot of people back from running our mission is the idea that they have to have their purpose fully figured out. Mm. And I don't necessarily believe that you have to wait to have an overall purpose and vision for your life to start chasing that mission. For me, I like to say present purpose a lot, because while I believe that the overall purpose of us as believers to, to love and to make disciples will not change, in yes. each season, we may find ourselves in different environments and circumstances that would Cause us to see purpose in different lights. So, for me, somebody who is on mission is someone who has identified what the need is, where they are, a need that they can speak into, whether it's a, something that they're passionate about or a problem that they see needs solving that they're directly connected to. I would say I, someone who identifies that need, someone who is honing their skill sets and gifts that they've been given that would allow them to fulfill that need with excellence. Yes. And then someone who's identified their passions, things that make them come alive and what they really feel like they were placed on earth to do. Someone who at the intersection of those three things has identified their present purpose is someone who I believe is living on mission. Mm. And that's what that would look like to me. You identified your skills, the need, and the passions you have, and it all comes together for you to say, right here, right now, where I am, this is how I will fulfill Mm -hmm. present purpose.
1: I love that. I love that idea for the simple fact that I think that so many of us, especially as women, we get so caught up and stifled Mm
0: -hmm. by this
1: idea of purpose and believing that we have to define ourselves in a way that Honestly, culture and society direct us to do so when and not looking at, obviously, what God is telling us to do versus, oh, I just want to, you know, kind of look at the world Mm -hmm. and look at what so-and-so is doing, look at what Danny is doing and look at what Kanisha is doing. And then I can figure out what I'm supposed to do. And so I love that. I love that. What you said about knowing that that actually has nothing to do with it, that, that we don't need to do that before we move into that. And then there, our purpose changes. Our mission yeah. changes. Our purposes change with every season almost. I mean, I'm 42 now, and um, I can tell you that my purpose five years ago, or my mission is from five years ago, is not the same as it is today. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. One last thing I actually would love to ask you. It's actually about your business. And honestly, we could have a whole business podcast with you. Oh, yes. I have made all of them. I can tell. Well, that, but then also, honestly, I mean, this is not just some trite, you know, comment. I think you're pretty awesome. And awesome is a not a great word to use here. It's not demonstrative enough. But you are really wise. God has really gifted you it as a parent and even creating more than just ideas Mm -hmm. like how to execute on those and really build something for kingdom. And so I'm like, can I talk to you after this? (laughs) Can I pay you for your time, (laughs) ma'am? No, but I'm excited to hear about anything that you're working on. Like maybe not that you're even like tangibly putting your hands to, but maybe they're in your heart that you would care to even speak publicly about or dreams and visions that you have for Oh Happy Danny.
2: Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much also. You're just very very kind.
1: Oh.
2: I currently we are like knee deep in fulfilling orders for the most recent launch we had. Our spring launch where we released six new prints and 10 stickers and man oh man, I did not realize how much people enjoy stickers. It has been
1: <laughs> it's a thing blessing. right now. I have three teenagers and you know around here we're in Seattle and I don't know if it's this is everywhere but here you know, we like to buy the $40 water bottles, the, the stainless steel ones, right? And put all of the stickers on them. Like right. how many stickers can you get on them? So yes, yes. People love stickers, especially teenagers, apparently.
2: I had no idea, but yeah. So we just did that. And currently, as we speak, like my team is here cranking those orders out and that has been such a blessing, but going forward into the year, now that I've kind of feel like I've settled into 2021, at least what we've What we have seen so far. (laughs) Right. I feel as though I'm getting super, super clear on the vision and mission of the business as a whole. And it's leading me to want to dive further into educational resources Mm. and truly deciding what lane I want to occupy in this anti-racism, social justice space. Yes. And I feel like my calling is a bit different in that we know that this sphere can be very brutal and honest and absolutely cut. And I'm hoping in the celebration of progress and in highlighting communities outside of their stereotypes that we can shed a different light into the anti-racism space.
1: Yeah. And
2: one that celebrates progress and one that is just hopeful for everything. Mm. And so I'm hoping that with content and products and resources that we are in the process of creating can speak more to that and I don't want someone when they hear the topic of race brought up to shrink back Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I want them to lean in and say what a beautiful opportunity for me to learn more about how I can love you better in light of how you were created and so that's the vision for going forward and it's gonna my goodness inform a lot of the next steps that we make
1: Well, I think that you are doing a beautiful job of giving people the space to lean into that conversation in that way, in the way that you just explained. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no doubt that whatever you put your hands to and whatever you do will bear really, really good fruit as it already has. So keeping in mind with what you just said, how can we pray for you? How can we partner with you in prayer to see those things actually come to fruition?
2: Yes, I love this question and I would greatly appreciate prayer for clarity in vision mm-hmm. and that I will not be afraid to say no to even opportunities that look amazing on the forefront, but still require like discernment, yes. <laughs> clarity and discernment. Yes. Yes. I would greatly appreciate prayer for. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Well, we are with you. We are thankful for you, and we are going to be praying for all of those things. So excited to see what God does in you and through you. Thanks for being with us today.
2: Thank you so much. This was such a life-giving conversation for me in the midst of such a wild day. So
0: thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Same for us. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. We are grateful that you were able to listen in. If you love this episode, would you do us a favor and leave a review so other friends can find this episode? We pray it encouraged you and left you feeling equipped to run on mission right where you're at. We're super grateful for you and we will see you next week.